Hi friends, it's Kayla Moran and welcome back to the Let's Get Candid podcast. How is everybody doing today? Happy Thursday, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever day or time it is that you're listening. So happy to be back on the mic with you guys as always. How is everyone doing? I feel like the last week for me has been kind of crazy in a good way. I think, you know, I talked about this on TikTok yesterday, but Mercury Retrograde is back and I feel like everyone makes excuses for it, like uses that as an excuse, I mean, and for like whatever's going wrong in their life. And I'm not going to do that because I've always been really good at holding myself accountable. I know my faults. I know where I have made mistakes and where I can improve and I strive to do so. But it's just, you know, the last couple of weeks I'm just feeling like the universe keeps sending me signs and I just think the universe is conspiring against me. And then, of course, Mercury retrograde comes back and it's just like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm kidding. But yeah, I just feel like anyone else think like, you know, they say everything happens for a reason. And I am a firm believer in that. You know that. But I just feel like sometimes things start coming my way that I deserve. And I know I deserve them. And I've worked hard for them and I want them but I just don't feel that I'm ready for them or prepared, but the universe doesn't make mistakes. Like it happens for a reason. It's coming to me for a reason. I just don't feel ready. I don't feel prepared. I don't think I'm receptive to it yet because I'm just, there's other things I want to do or other things I want to to happen first or whatever. And it's just, I feel like the universe is conspiring against me because it's like flashing neon signs at me of like, do this, do this, or pursue this. And I'm just like, I'm not ready yet. I'm not there yet. Like, let me take a moment and pursue this one thing that I'm doing before I'm ready to jump into the next thing. And they're all good things. Like everything is, I feel like truly like I'm coming into my own. Things are working out for me. Everything that I've worked for, like I'm going to do a solo episode on this for next week, but I just, I feel like things are finally like working out for me. Things feel really good. Even the last couple of weeks that have been a little bit of a rougher period for me. It's just, that's the season of life that I'm in. You know, it goes through waves and like realizations have to come in and, you know, we got to go through the hard times to recognize the good times and things like that. And it's just, you know, it's just funny. Like I, I'm like, hold on, slow your roll. Like I'm not ready yet. Like give me a little bit more time. Like I need a little more time or I need more information or something. And I'm just like, I think the universe is conspiring against me. I've been joking of that with my friends for a while now. And it's just, I don't know. It's really funny, but I am really excited for this week's episode speaking about the universe and things just happening the way that they are meant to and the way that they are, they should, but also putting in the steps and putting in the work to make things happen. That is what Whitney Eckes did. And we're going to get all into it in this week's episode, how she built Get Super and how she built her agency. And during a time where there was a lot of insecurity because of the pandemic and we really didn't know what was going to happen and, you know, trial and error and really finding her groove and building a team and building a life for herself that she wants to wake up to and wants to be a part of and you know just we also talk about mental health and how that has played a huge role in her life and in her businesses and the way she runs her business and that's something that is very important to me because I I do the same thing I let my my mental health my body guide me and you know tell me what I'm feeling and I think this episode is really great for people who you know, they know they want to go into entrepreneurship, but they don't really know like how to go about it. She is someone who she always thought she wasn't going to be an entrepreneur because her family was entrepreneurs and she thought she wanted the corporate life and her parents wanted that corporate life for her. And, you know, she was in it and she was like, no, like this just doesn't feel right for me. And, you know, I, I, I admire that. And, someone who knows when something isn't working and goes after it because that's exactly what I've done and I think a lot of the guests that I have on this podcast do the same so I think she's a really great mentor and friend to me and I'm excited for you guys to hear her story and get to know Whitney and I think it's a great sequel to last week's episode with Lawyer Britt who is a lot more strategic about 
building her company and you know she was focused on systems and processes and building a life that way whereas Whitney is more about the feeling and the emotions and the gut instincts and both methods are really great for different types of people and I'm a little bit of both so I think it's cool to kind of have both back to back and help you approach your entrepreneurship journey if that is the right journey for you so I will quit rambling and I will jump into my suck and sweet of the week and then we'll dive right into Whitney's episode because I think you guys are gonna love it and I think you guys are gonna love her um yeah my suck and sweet of the week I don't know my suck of the week is just that I honestly don't think I have one I think this week has actually been pretty good. I've been actually my suck of the week is that I'm in really bad pain. Like my back is killing me. And I think it's because I got an adjustment by a chiropractor a couple of weeks ago and it just tweaked my back. So I'm going to my chiropractor today after this to get adjusted and kind of hopefully it helps because I've been in so much pain in the last week. So that's my suck of the week, but that's, you know, nothing crazy. And my sweet of the week is that I have... I went out yesterday to lunch with my friend. I've went out over the weekend with a couple of friends. I have lunch plans for next week. I'm shooting my podcast cover this weekend with one of my friends from college who's a photographer. And I just feel like I'm, I'm getting out there again. I'm being social, I'm meeting people, I'm doing things, and I'm having a really good time. So I just feel like I was in a little funk a couple weeks ago, and I'm coming out of that funk, and I'm really happy about it because it feels really good. And, you know, just in time for hot girl summer. And I feel like, like I said, I feel like I'm coming into my own and I'm really excited to see what comes next. But like I said, I will quit rambling and I already introduced Whitney. So thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast and being with me every single week. If you like this episode, please leave a rating and review. Please subscribe to the show, follow along, share with a friend, tag us as you're listening. Go check out everything linked below about Whitney, her agency and her businesses and I hope you guys like this episode. I will talk to you guys next week. Meet Whitney. So Whitney, what's something that people wouldn't know about you just from following you? Oh, guy, that's a really good question. Something that I think people wouldn't know about me is that I actually have a lot of passions outside of business. I grew up in the, I basically, I grew up with a gearhead. For, and for those that don't know what a gearhead is, it's basically just a guy that's obsessed with cars. Actually, I mean, guy or girl. But my dad grew up jet boat racing, and then he got me into drag racing. And me and him actually spend a lot of time restoring classic cars and working on race cars. And we go down, and there's this really cool little racetrack out where I, by where we live, and we'll go and race cars and stuff. And I grew up doing that with him. I also grew up doing a lot of hobbies because my parents were divorced and my dad was a single father. So, um, I rode horses. I still ride horses. I, I love, I basically have a bunch of different hobbies that I'm very, very passionate about, but I think front facing is just always business, business, business. So I don't think a lot of people really know that about me. I love that. I think that's really cool. And that's something that I'm trying to do a lot more too, is I want to share a lot of my life, but I'm starting to, and I always knew at some level, like you have to keep certain things private. And I always did like, no one really knew like relationship stuff or like what was going on behind the scenes or like family life. But even more so now I'm like, okay, I'm kind of wellness, business, entrepreneurship, and like lawyer life and lifestyle. But like, there's parts of me that aren't going to be shown. And like, recognizing what are my boundaries of like what I'm not going to share online maybe Mm -hmm. here and there I will once in a while but like they're not going to be like primary points of my content and I think it's it's funny one of my really good friends this week or last week we were talking and he was like do you have any hobbies and I was like yeah I do social media like it's I make some money off of it but that's like always been my hobby he's like okay but like that's at some level that's work for you now and I'm like yeah you're right like yeah it has become a level of my work I don't make money off of it necessarily like here and there I'll get a couple brand deals but it I do devote I treat it like a job because I want it to be a a passive source of income so I was like oh like interesting so I started to recognize like I need to find hobbies for myself it's also good too I mean I feel like that there's just this level of like disconnect that we all need and it's so easy to 
be so motivated by social media and be wanting to grow and hit your own internal personal goals for what that looks like. But then, then also at the end of the day, you're like, okay, well, what about all these other things? What about actually getting out into the world and having these like experiences? And again, I feel like I came into like the social media field, like when, you know, it started to really ramp up, like kind of the tail end of my, well, tail end of like high school into college. And like growing up, like my dad threw me outside 24 seven. So I think that was just innately in me that I still want those experiences. But I also see too, like a lot of people that are obviously the generation below me. It is, this is actually like the new, you're right. It is like kind of a hobby. And it's, it's very interesting to see that kind of correlation between the two. Yeah. Like Instagram for me came out, I think I was a sophomore in high school, but Mm -hmm. it really didn't become what it is today until while I was in law school, like not even really college. Like it really happened in the last two, three years while I was in law school. And that's when I got into it and it was my outlet. But then I started to recognize like, while it's okay for it to be my outlet, it is now work. So I need to have hobbies outside of it. And I love that yours are with your dad or, you know, not traditionally like female like activities because that's how you were raised and like it's taking you back to your roots and I think there's so much to be said for you know going back to your roots and getting in touch with who you were as a kid and what makes you you and how you were raised and that's something that I really want to get into as well my dad's a marine and I grew up always watching like I I'm I'm weird and I love watching like war films and yeah most girls don't really do that and don't really like that and (laughs) And it's funny because my brother's not really into it, but I am because, I, because I don't know, I just always, I, I, there's just so much respect and like love for my dad and the, the Marines and, you know, and his service and, and what he's done for the country yeah, for you. And, I mean, that's totally understandable. Yeah. And Full Metal Jack is like one of my favorite movies, which is like a very gory film. <laughs> it's a very intense oldie film, but I love that movie. And yesterday we were watching, I was partially watching because I left to go watch the Tennessee FAU game, but watching Basic, which Mm -hmm. I think is newer with John Travolta. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, why do I love this so much? And I even considered going into the military myself as a JAG, a justice general. And then I decided, you know, like social media was starting to become a thing. And I was like, I can't, like, as much as I would love to do that, I don't want to devote four years of my life to that. Mm -hmm. And then lose the momentum but like if I want to pursue this like I kind of need to do it now and it all worked out the way that it was meant to but like that's something that my dad and I do I love watching sports more than the average like I don't know a lot about them but I know enough to be dangerous where like I can keep up with the guys and like watch the sports (laughs) have fun watching them I love that I my my dad got tickets to the Miami Open and I was like fighting with my mom of like who he was gonna take. So I'm like, I wanna go. Like I wanna go oh. see this. Even though I don't play tennis. So I love that that you kind of have that with your dad too. And having those hobbies outside. Actually, I was telling another friend, like the one thing I hate about Miami is that we don't really have naturey stuff. Like, like mm-hmm. at least like you guys in LA, San Diego, like you still do have like the mountains and like yeah. nature and you can go in and like get away like for us like we have the Caribbean or we can go to the Everglades or the Keys but like it's not it's not in our backyard like how it is for you guys and I'm like that would make it like even slight like that's the only difference to me between LA and Miami just the fact that like Miami has where I'm like is my my culture and where I'm from like that would that's the big differentiator so I like I like that you guys have that and you go out and you really get to embrace that that's and get away from the business side of things because you do so many different things in business I think that's really important that you recognize like I need to take a step back and yeah there's I mean you done for me you definitely nailed it California is like I mean I don't know our weather's been terrible lately I've been I know I saw that (laughs) the weather but I think that I think it is interesting right like I think that that's also what why like California's quote unquote California is because it is a quick, you know, hour and a half drive to wherever you want to go. But I mean, I think also on the other end, like I just went to Miami for my first time last year and I was like, this is beautiful. Like there's water everywhere. And like, I don't think people understand like California is supposed to be like known for like this, like very coastal state, but 
the amount of effort it takes to go to either A, a beach, or B, just be in the general vicinity of water is really weird. It's like very difficult, right? I feel like I'm in Miami. It's just water and boats and beautiful scenery yeah. like everywhere. And it's like California, it's like you are inland unless you are on the sand. Like that is, there's no in between. Yeah. Cause you have the highway cutting through like the different. Yeah. And like you have both the highway and the mountains. And so like, you're like in the middle. Yeah. Um, see, I kind of live inland in Miami. So it does take me like 30 minutes to get east towards where all the water is. But I mean, yeah, it's only 30, 45 minutes. And like, that's nothing here. Like that's like yeah. going around the corner. So it's really not that big a deal, but yeah, I, I, that's the one thing I wish like we had more like naturey stuff. Cause I love hiking. Like I love just disconnecting. Like I went to Ecuador in January and we were in the Amazon and like, there was literally nothing you could, you couldn't do anything. And it was honestly really nice. I'm like, I wish that I had more reasons to do this when I'm back home, but like you really, even on vacation now, like you have Wi-Fi or data. So it's like, you really don't disconnect the way that we used to. And I, I do miss that and like I'm a couple years younger than you so I I, I'm slightly more into like the social media as a hobby than but like I see my cousins who are younger than me that that is their entire lives like their whole like my cousin is 16 she does not want to get her license why because she doesn't need to she doesn't need to drive to go see her friends like they could all hang out online and I'm like that's that's such a weird concept to me like I I'm dying to get out of these four walls and like go see people like can we co-work who wants to go to work at a coffee shop like I need to be around people yeah so I just think it's funny that is so funny that that's just the way this kind of generation and you know the progression of social media is going yeah it, it's a little scary but I, I think it's really nice that we get to have that that wherewithal to know like it's okay to take a step back and like not share everything and really only share the parts that we are called to share and keep something private for ourselves and like it's it's really hard to know to do that because sometimes you want to share all the happy moments and all the big wins and all the cool things that are happening. But I don't know. I'm learning that it's it's a lot more special to keep it quiet. Um, not just to like avoid like the haters and like people like talking about it and like jinxing it, but just like I like that not everyone knows what's going yeah. on. And yeah. I've never been that way before. I used to always be the one to like go tell everybody everything because I just I was so I wanted connection so badly. I wanted to, like, I love networking. I love talking to people. I love getting to know people. So I just wanted to talk and talk and talk. But I was like, okay, there's a lot of power in keeping things to yourself. (laughs) I love it. I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, you know, there's some things too that I think are just sacred to your life. And you get to have those moments of keeping them sacred. Like, for example, I feel like I'm pretty open about my relationship with Spencer, but there's also so many parts of our relationship that are very sacred um, that don't leave outside of our relationship. And he's a very, very, very private person. Like he is very not in tune with social media. He really does not want to I, be a part I can't of wait. Like I, I, I joke about this all the time. I'm like, I do not, I, I'd rather date someone that has no social media or like has like yeah. 300 followers and like two pictures and like just never uses it. Like that is my ideal person Yeah, because I don't want to feel like I have to tag them and share them. Like, and I don't want people following me to like go fall. Like that's weird. Like, mm-hmm. no. Yeah. But it is, I mean, it's, it's something though that I think again, when you when you're in the social media space or you you are a personal brand and you're really wanting to open up and share about your mission or who you are and share a little bit more of like the radical transparency of like what is your life it it's interesting what things start to prioritize out of like what is very very sacred and i think again too like my my relationship with spencer i'd say my friendships there's a lot of like sacred space between me and my friendships and what's sharing and what's not and it's actually funny because a lot of times you know i'll go out and i love to travel with my girlfriends and i love to go to these different places with them and i find myself being so inactive on social media and i've even like it's funny cuz they've even like called me out they're like how come you don't like post about us and i'm like because i'm so present And I want to be so present with you guys. And like what I have with the people that are within my friendships is very special that it, 
it is almost kind of like, it's like my relationships become like the sense of my reward. And I don't feel the need to like showcase that all over social. Like they are, we, our job within both of all of the relationships that we have is to fill each other up, right. Is to make sure that we're lifting up and that we're there for them and things like that. And so I feel like that is one part of social media. That's incredibly, at least sacred to me. Yeah, no, I, I'm the same way. My mom is like, do you, do you like, do you have a family online? Like, do you never post this? And I'm like, I'm literally with you guys all the time. It's not that I'm choosing not to post to you. I just like, don't feel the need to share you guys. And Mm -hmm. also like, yeah, it's, it's sacred. That's my family. I live at home. There's only so much I can share of where I like my space because it's not mine. Mm -hmm. And with my friendships, like, or when I'm out, you can tell if I'm doing really well because I'm quiet on social media. Mm-hmm. like the next day I'll like have a million stories because I dumped everything that happened the day before but like in the moment I'm actually really bad at social media I don't share it like last night like I, I did a, I posted a reel of a day in my life today that was yesterday it cuts off at like 4 p.m why because after 4 p.m I washed my car I showered and I went to go watch the game with my friends and like I just didn't want to share that like yeah that was like our time to be by ourselves. And so I just forget to share. And it's not that I forget. I just, I don't feel the need to like post what I'm doing. And I think that's really like having that boundary is really, yeah, it's sacred. And I like, I like that you put it that way. I never thought of it, like having like a term for it or why I do it, but that's what it is. It's just, it's, it's for me and for them. And yeah, we're supposed to fill each other up. And I I don't, I don't like the people that blow up because their friends are always posting them. And like, they like, like, Oh, like maybe I'll give this a shot and like try to be an influencer too. And it's like, did you even really want that? Or you just like, all of a sudden like you have followers and like, now you feel like you have to do it. It's like, no, Mm -hmm. I don't want to make anyone do anything. Like you don't have to like what I do or be a part of it to be a part of my life. Like I have a separate life. I'm a hundred percent who I am online that I am off, but there's still a lot more to me that you don't see. And I, and I'm starting to really love who that person offline is. And before I, I, it was all tied into one person. So it's really nice, but I wanted to dive in. So you started Ekis marketing kind of, kind of as an accident or like it kind of just happened, like walk us through, like, how did you get into marketing? Because you have become very like your thing is business and marketing and building brands and helping people get productivity tips and hacks and learn how to do that for themselves so walk us through your story as an entrepreneur and how you got started in this yeah absolutely um so yes I guess was not something that immediately after college, I was like intending on creating or starting. Basically what had happened was I started my first experience in in marketing was with Red Bull and I started doing a lot of events. This is when Instagram had just come out. I think I was like a sophomore or junior in college. And from that point, I really started to kind of dive in into these different verticals of marketing. So everything from social media to events, to activations, to working with brand branded athletes and all these different types of things. And then from there, I graduated college and I went back home and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And I come from a very entrepreneurial family and I kind of needed to set my, set my, you know, set myself free and spread my wings. And so I went into hospitality and when I was working at a corporate hospitality group, I realized like, this is just not for me. Like I really want to work on fun and sexy brands that excite me. And being from that, I'm, you know, I'm from San Diego. We had brands that were lifting off like liquid IV, like Kopari, like Sumbum, Suja, like all these really incredible names and brands. And I just felt like I was so close to like what I wanted to do, but it just wasn't like really setting me on fire. So I left the hospitality group. They um, wanted me to still represent five of their clients. So I took my first five clients and the easiest way for me to like invoice myself out was literally calling it by my last name, which is just Ekis and marketing and it stuck. And then before I knew it, we had about 15 clients and I was needing as much help as I could get. And it kind of, Really, it just started rolling over into an agency and then 2020 happened. We moved out of the hospitality. Well, I shouldn't say we moved out of the hospitality space, but we really started opening and setting our sights on CPG and direct-to-consumer brands. Um, And that was mainly due to the pandemic. And so from there, we've evolved and we are a lifestyle, you know, 
D2C and hospitality driven agency that represents all these different types of brands within the social media and creative communication space. That's so cool. I think you hear a lot of people talk about brands when the founder creates a brand because it was a need that they had. It was a white space for them. And that's usually for products. But Mm -hmm. I think you can say the same for service businesses like you, like you knew that you liked what you were doing, but you wanted more. You wanted it to feel right for you. And you were like, I'm not going to find it somewhere else. So I'm just going to do it on my own. And the opportunity kind of, it was the perfect storm of things that happened where it allowed you to do that. And I think that's exactly what happened for me. People ask me now, like I get law students reach out to me all the time. They're like, they find me on LinkedIn or Instagram now, or even TikTok. And they're like, how did you like you're a lawyer and you're an influencer and like you're a lawyer influencer. Like, how does that happen? And I'm like, there's not a sexy story there. Like I'd have to tell you all of it for you to understand how I got where I am. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm starting to share my story more now on social media. Cause I'm realizing like, that is actually what people want to know. But mm-hmm. before I'm like, it wasn't this cool story. It wasn't this aha moment. It was kind of like, I knew that I wanted something and I knew that a firm wasn't going to give me what I wanted. Kind of like you, like you were at a hospitality group and you just, it didn't set you on fire. And I knew that if I wanted to do what I wanted to do, a firm wasn't going to allow me to do it. And I kind of needed to do it on my own. And that was really scary. Like you started it right out of college and you didn't plan to, like I started it right out of law school and I didn't plan to. And that's, you know, it hasn't even been a year and it's like, it scares me a little how quickly it snowballed. And now like, I cannot see myself doing anything else. My parents every once in a while, like be on LinkedIn, like, like, Oh, like, look, general counsel at this corporation or whatever, Mm -hmm. like a different, this firm is hiring, like in social media now, or like marketing, like counsel for marketing or whatever. And I'm like, and they're like, yes, I know you don't want it. But like, I just thought I would bring it up to you. I'm like, okay, I'm glad you, we are aware that like, it's just, not, I, I don't want it anymore. Like I realized like, this is where I was always meant to be, but I never thought that I was going to be entrepreneurial. Like you, I think you've talked about before, like how you didn't, your dad didn't want you to be an entrepreneur because they were all entrepreneurs. He wanted yes. you to work in like a corporation. My parents yes. are corporate. So they mm-hmm. never really like, knew about the entrepreneurship space they, they they're they're learning it alongside me and so like they wanted me to have the corporate security that they had wow they yeah. would build the life that we have because of that corporate security my mom's been at the same company for 23 years and 25 so literally since I was two and my mm-hmm. dad has always been in banking since he got out of the military for the last 30 almost 30 years he's been in banking different banks, but it's always been pretty much the same industry. They wanted me to have that security and law is supposed to give you that. But I was like, no, I think I'm just supposed to do this on my own. And thankfully they've been supportive, but it's really, you know, I think there it's really special when you're like, no, I have a need and I'm not going to find it somewhere else. I'm just going to create it for myself. And I think social media really allows us to do that now, which is really cool. It really does. Yeah. I mean, I think Again, when I was starting out, it was such a new, it was such a new concept. Um, Like social media management wasn't what it is like today. And it's still, I feel like is developing and like how people are utilizing it for like freelance or what they're doing service wise. But back then it was, it was really problematic because people weren't hiring people to run their social. Like for example, like I'll never forget when Hilton, I think it was Hilton or Marriott, one of their representatives for one of our properties was like, we just don't understand what the need of being on like Instagram is and what the need of working with these travel bloggers are. And it was so, it was still so new in conception that yeah, sure. Small businesses were taking and running with it because they were small businesses, but these big corporations didn't necessarily jump on and get on the boat until much later on, until I had more proof and concept. And so for Agus Marketing, there was a really unique phase, at least in our first three years, where, which is why we have so many service offerings, where we really had to look at, okay, you know, social media for maybe this client works, but also they're interested in influencers, but they're also interested in events, but they're also interested in branding and conception and business development and these kind of other areas as well. And so for us, we had to really walk and move with the landscape to where it is now. And now it's even pivoting again, where you're seeing 
so many people that aren't going to a traditional workforce that are starting, you know, their own sense of solopreneurship and that either they're becoming a creator or they're offering some sort of service offering all on their own. And I think that that is, there's power in that. It's really exciting. I mean, it's again, like, I think that what we're seeing just in, even in today's economy is that there's so much freedom and our ability to go off into our own pursuits of happiness of whatever that looks like of, you know, creating our own business or having the ability to work for ourselves. And I think that a lot of that has come because of social media and just the access of information, the access of community and the be, being able to get in front of really whoever you want to get in front of nowadays. Yeah, I love that. And I think but what really excites me about social media is what you just said that like access to information, access to community, the people that I find myself gravitating to the most, even just in personal relationships, but like, especially with like my like connections on social media and like my business friends or my like creator friends is people that are doing what sets them on fire too. And either in a corporation or in a traditional field, because that is truly what they want or mm -hmm. realizing people in those fields that are like, hmm, like, I kind of think like I can do more with this. Mm -hmm. Or people who realize like, maybe I don't need to go that route at all. And I can do it on my own. And like, I love being a mentor and being mentored by people that are doing that. And that's how I've been able to get to where I'm at is people yeah. like you sharing your story and mm -hmm. being open about it and being willing to lend a hand to people that are coming up behind you. Because I think no one has done it alone. Like you can't yeah. be alone. And it's really yeah. cool that there's this sense of community and like invitation to like do your own thing and figure it out. And it's a lot more welcomed now to go mm -hmm. against the grain. I mean, it's still called that going against the grain because there will always be people that go the traditional route, but it's not yeah. as, it's still scary, but it's not as like looked down upon anymore. And I think that's really cool. Absolutely. And I, and I like that you have, you know, that you, you're, you're, service offerings have developed over time as the client that you serve develop. And that has allowed you to be front and center in the market for what you offer, because you're not, you're willing to roll with the punches. You're not just going to be like, I want to stick to this. I'm really good at this. There's a lot to be said for people who like, they know what they want. They know what they offer and they know what they're best. And they're going to stick to that and really own in on that. But there's mm -hmm. also, that's one business model. There's also a business model like you, where it's like, I'm willing to see how I can help you develop this and then add that to your service offerings and hire people for that and grow that way as well. And I think that's really cool. What is the, what's like your favorite thing to offer personally, service wise or overall as a business, even if you don't particularly do that project and someone else does it, but what's your favorite service offering? Um, oh, that's, I mean, like such a fun question. I think honestly, my favorite our events because I'm always so directly involved and it's because I love them so much that I can't stay away. Um, <laughs> even though I should, but I love events. There's just this really fun air of excitement and adrenaline that comes with events. And just, it's very, you have to be very flexible. You have to think very on your feet. You have to be able to pivot quickly, problem solve, like on the spot. But then also too, there's just this air of just serotonin once the event is complete and everyone is just so happy. It's kind of like you just get on this incredible high. So that's one of our favorites, even though it takes so much effort and so much work. My second favorite service, and this one has become more robust recently, is we started to build out a really cool like content creation vertical in which like we strictly do brands, photos and videos and content creation outside of managing like their social media. So that's strictly just coming to us as your UGC creator for photo, video, and then anything additionally. And in fact, we made, we've made videos for brands for Target. We've made videos and brands or videos and photos for Amazon. And like we've done actual photo shoots for all these brands. So it's just been, that has been really cool because I think that that for me is like when you get to see, and I guess that kind of goes hand in hand with our branding too. Like, for example, like I drove by one of our restaurants and like we did all of their logo design, we did all their branding and just to see like 
the sign that like we created and like that we took like hours and hours and hours on end to create like up on a building. Like it's kind of like just one of those moments where it's like, that's cool. Like I made that. So, you know, or not, I made that my team made that I just sat in and gave my two cents and they're magicians and did their own thing. But you created the company <laughs> that you, but, but you did make it in the sense that you created the company to be uh-huh. able to offer those things and built mm-hmm. that team. So that is still a part yeah. of it. And I think that's really cool. No, I think I just went to an event yesterday and I think in a past life, mm-hmm. I would have been like an, either an interior designer or an event planner. Mm. I, I love it. I, and I'm just, I'm not, I'm creative in a lot of ways, but I'm not like detail oriented like that to be able to do those things, which is why I didn't go the social media management route, even though it's related to what I do. But I think I, I have so much respect for people who do like I, the event that I went to yesterday, I was like, Oh my God, like this is like my dream event. It was so much fun. There was like just so beautiful aesthetic. Like they were having fun doing it. Like the people were working it and they were talking and they were getting to know each other. And like, it was it just, everybody had so much fun. And like, I'm like, I, I kind of wish I could do that. That's definitely nowhere near anything that I would ever touch, but I think it's really cool. And I think it's cool that you get to have both the creative side of your business and the business side of your business. Do you do both or have you hired someone that I, and I know the answer to this, but like you, which side do you prefer better? And like, how do you like, navigate that like do you have you hired someone to take over a certain aspect of the business you can focus on the part that you're really good at do you still do both or how do you navigate balancing both running a business the admin side and then actually like doing the business which is creative yeah so yes and no one of the things I feel like I should give this some context and background because I feel like it's going to kind of explain it better so when I first started Akis Marketing I was really intrigued by working with different brands. Um, And I was really intrigued with ways of like, how do I get people to hire me? And how do I get to work with startups that can't afford me? And how do I become involved in an investment standpoint for said brands? So a lot of my like earlier years, I spent trying to understand equity and sweat equity and working with these brands on different terms so that they, so that I could basically get my foot in the door and really show them what I got. So when I started Ekis, there was so much room for us to expand and start working very early on with brands for sweat equity or for different terms or different rev shares or things like that. So when I started to, when the agency really started to get its feet underneath it, I took on a lot of different opportunities to therefore start working with different teams and different brands. And I became very clear on what it takes to run a business, but also what it takes to run a business in, in per your skill set. And I think after like six years of doing that, I'm super clear on the things that I do very well and the things that I don't do well at all. And one of the things that I'm very good at is marketing. I'm very, very, very great at strategy and planning and incorporating these different creative campaigns. The thing that comes hardest to me is actually the internal sides of business and operations. And so now knowing that I hire people to essentially- the opposite actually. You think, but it's, it's actually- it's very different. And it's something where it's like, I can learn. I think I held so much shame in my business, my, all my businesses very early on, because I assumed I had to be good at every single part of the business. I assumed I had to be good at operations. I assumed I had to be good at the financials. I assumed I had to be good at scaling and understanding what choices to take and when to take them. And I held a lot of that as like, I was a bad entrepreneur. And in reality, it's not that it's that there's so many other people that are better at those things that I could utilize to make something great. Yeah. Hire for your weaknesses. And also it took you almost six years now that you've been doing this to, you know, and longer to recognize that. And I think that's the thing too. It's like, you're not going to have it all figured out the first year or two years or three years. Like it's okay if it takes time. But yeah, higher for your weaknesses. Yeah, it, I think though, again, that's kind of easier said and done, especially yeah. when it's in, within your own business, because there's also, there's so much 
and trust me, I've been through the ringer through hiring, but there's been so much that teaches you about yourself and how you hire and also what to look for. So hiring for your weaknesses, absolutely. But then you also have all these different factors of, okay, well, what does hiring look like for scalability? What does hiring look like for something if we're having cash flow problems? What does hiring look like when, you know, we're in a pandemic? So there's all these different things that kind of come into play, but ultimately the thing that I had to really sit with, and I think this also too came from such a personal development side was where do I, where, where does Whitney live best? Like, where does Whitney shine and where can we now start to look at the places that I need help? And, you know, again, we were kind of in this phase with Agus Marketing where we kept hitting this like ceiling and we couldn't get past like the certain level of business. And I remember thinking like, what is going on? Like I'm doing all these things. Like I'm doing everything right. I've done everything historically, right? Why can't I push through this number? And ultimately it came down to the fact that there was just, it just needed to be relieved off my shoulders and put into someone else's capable hands in the sense of like, they saw the vision, they knew how to get it to the next level and it took double downing and investing in that said person. So now I look at that, you know, to every different aspect of what we're doing and even the next phases of what the future looks like. Yeah, I love that. I think that's super important. And what you said too, of like, it is easier said than done, but thinking of all the different ways to delegate and hire and what that looks like and being strategic about it and being taking your time with it, being smart about it and, you know, giving it an opportunity to, because someone may be capable, but they, they may come in with a certain level of expertise and they don't have knowledge about the specific industry you're in, but it doesn't mean that they're not capable because they could bring something to the table that you wouldn't have even thought of, but it ends up being really great for your business, which brings me back to what you talked about earlier with sweat equity. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you've worked with brands on a sweat equity basis where you've helped build brands outside of Ecos marketing and separate business ventures, where you bring in that expertise that, you know, they were trusting you, you're the capable hands. You may not know about a specific industry, but you're willing to bring what you have and partner with them and what they have. And you guys make something really great. So can you talk about what that was like going into a new industry? And I'm talking about get super, which I know there has been some changes (laughs) in that lately, but I think it's, I have it and I love, I love get super. And it, for people who don't know, I mean, Whitney, you can explain it better, but basically it's coffee that has hemp infused into it. And it's really great for people like me who have anxiety and, you know, you need coffee to function, but also coffee can be a problem for someone if they are very anxious that day. So when the days that I feel really anxious, when, right, when I wake up, I'm like, all right, I'm going to have coffee, but I'm going to have this coffee And I feel so much better than if I would have had like a regular cup of coffee. So talk about Get Super and what that was like for you. So Get Super was definitely started out of like my own personal journey with my mental health. Um, I basically was kind of diagnosed with severe anxiety disorder and depression. It kind of came from a long line of mental health history and in our family. And that was kind of confirmed. And it just really made me feel like my hands were tied behind my back. So basically what happens, and I'll kind of go into the science a little bit, but when you, there's so many things that happen with caffeine, caffeine can be like your superpower, or it could be very detrimental. And it's basically all in number one, the way that your body is operating. And then also to the way that it's released into your body and into your system. So what we started finding out was that, you know, when I would have coffee on an empty stomach, first thing in the morning, it would spike my cortisol levels, which would basically send me into this state of like just pure anxiousness. And so when I started working with my therapist and, you know, kind of determining where all these anxiety attacks were coming from and what, how it was correlating back to the business it really came down to like my caffeine intake and the way that also too, I was just like setting up my life within inside and outside of my business. So they were like, okay, well, cool. Like let's cut the caffeine. And I was like, absolutely not. Like that's the one thing I have like in the morning. And I've been drinking coffee on an empty stomach since 
I don't even know. We all did that because we didn't know any better. And you're like, you need coffee right when you wake up, but I can't. Yeah. Same way. I cannot. Now that I've in the last two, I think two years, I started drinking a whole glass of water, like a tumbler water first mm-hmm. before I have coffee. And that was really helpful. And then I started eating and having coffee at the end of my meal. And yeah. that has been the game changer. And then if I really am anxious that day and then do get super instead of regular coffee, it's like mm-hmm. even more so, but on just a regular day, eating before coffee is so, so important. So I'm glad it's, you brought that up. Yeah, it's so important. So I basically was like, no, I'm not going to give this up. I started dropping in CBD oil droplets or tinctures into my coffee because I heard it would help. And basically, so basically what we did is we realized that when, when CBD is mixed with caffeine, CBD is basically used as like this time release. So it slows the release of caffeine into your system, which helps you to feel that calm collected energy without spiking your cortisol levels because it's not just all at once. And if you've ever seen like, there's like multiple different graphs of like how caffeine enters in your system with you, with having you eaten or had not having eaten or having something to drink. But a lot of times on an empty stomach, it literally looks like this just straight line chart going up and down of your caffeine rush and then your caffeine fall. So what the CBD does is essentially it takes it and it bell curves your release. So you get a kind of this longer lasting, calmer energy where you're not feeling drowsy, but you're awake, you're alert, but you're also not like wired out of your mind. So we took that, we started basically looking at, you know, what gets super was because I acquired it from its original owner and what they were doing with the, basically the science behind it. And the science behind it was really cool. It's a water soluble hemp extract that basically blends into the instant coffee and it's activated by heat. So it, instead of using an oil-based tincture where you drop into your coffee and oil breaks down with heat, our water soluble hemp extract actually activates. So it actually becomes alive with the heat. So it's, or with the, with the hot water and the wa- basically the water soluble formula. So it's, it's very, it's interesting. And so I was able to kind of take that on. And again, this was all during 2020 when I acquired it. So we were very, very slow. We were making this pivot into product-based, you know, the product-based industry or direct-to-consumer industry. And um, we kind of decided like, this is our time as an agency to really bring something cool to market. And I was game on to learn everything, all the ins and outs of the business, which getting into CBD was no easy feat, still isn't. It's very, very hard. There's a ton of red tape and regulation and just a lot that's still unknown with how our government's regulating the cannabis industry. But um, we basically decided like as a team, like we're going to have fun and we're going to launch this brand. And so we launched it and it's been one of our biggest case studies to date for Equus Marketing. That's so cool. and. I love it. And I, I love hearing the science behind it. I like in practice, like in my own experience with it, I kind of knew that, but like hearing the actual like scientific explanation for it makes it make so much more sense. And, yeah. and it just, like you said, it's a case study on why this was needed to be brought into the market. And I think that it's really cool too, that you got to build it as your brand and then also use it as a case study for a different business of yours. And like you all get to work together and you could use Ecos Marketing to help market this brand. And like, I, I love when businesses all just, they're seamless. Like we are talking offline, like people always ask me, how do I do everything that I do? And for me, it may seem like it's all over the map, but there's like always a common thread. There's always a line that they all like, they touch, they make sense in my, they don't have to make sense to everybody else, but they make sense to me why I'm doing everything. And if something no longer makes sense and is not on that line, then I decide, like sit with it. And I'm like, okay, do I need this in my life? Is it serving me? Do I still want this? And then I decide accordingly if I want to remove it from my life or not. But I think it's really cool that for you, it, it did all make sense. I want to talk about, so you acquired Get Super from its original owner and you built it out and mm-hmm. you are now an investor in another company, Mela. So can you talk a little bit about investing and acquiring businesses and what that's like? Yeah. So Get Super is the only one that I've acquired, but investing has looked a lot of different ways for me. So I became very interested in just the idea of trying to compound my income and really set myself up for a future that would allow me to reach like a certain financial stability that I desired. At the time, 
I took on sweat equity for even a brand before Mella. And I've dabbled with different revenue shares and things like that for brands. But I was really looking for, I wasn't actually, I mean, I wasn't really even looking at anything from Mella. I invested capital into Toto because I really wanted to experiment what that would look like. And Toto is an awesome, awesome, awesome plant-based superfood cookie. They just launched in vitamin shop and they're killing it. And it's been a really positive experience. And then I was brought Mella about gosh, January, February of last year by one of our very good family friends. And he was like, I'm building out this watermelon water beverage company. And I've seen what you've done with get super. And I just need you to build this out for me. So with Mela, I took on basically a fractional CMO position for about a year. We utilized everything through our agency. We worked with all of his different other agency partners, his team, everything, and basically just gave Mela the platform to launch. And it's been a really positive experience with that too. I think the biggest learning curve with investing is understanding your terms. And that's something that I kind of had to learn by just experience. But in terms of what is a good fit for me, what is this company projected to do? And how do I want to be involved are three really incredible questions that you need to ask yourself before approaching anything. And also in terms of sweat equity, you also have to understand what are my expectations? I think a lot of times people look at investment as this automatic return. They look at it as like, I'm going to put in $1, I'm going to get four in return and almost immediately. And a lot of times that's not the case. A lot of times investing can look like actually putting up your money and not seeing it for the next couple decades in terms of what I wanted to do and how I wanted to really diversify kind of my portfolio as well as my future income. I was like, look, I have this skill set. I could be utilizing the skill set. I could be utilizing my team. And I could set my own terms for what that's going to look like in ensuring that there is some sort of success and value that I'm bringing to this company. So again, when we sat down with Mela, it really was basically saying, hey, this is perfect for me. I have the ability to be your fractional CMO for this set amount of time. And I'm also able to build X, Y, and Z out for you in return for X. And it worked out great. However, that was after multiple failed experiences of understanding what sweat equity looked like and also making sure that, you know, I was setting myself up with being savvy enough to understand what I was getting myself into, understanding expectations for both me and for Mela, and then really being able to drive the ship in terms of like, what value am I bringing to the table? And is this aligned for me and for what I'm anticipating the company to do, you know, at the, uh, at, you know, at the end of the company's lifetime, whether it's never selling or whether it's selling or whatever that looks like. Yeah. I think I just got a business idea and this is something like totally unrelated, but I was like, you should teach a course on sweat equity and like what, that looks like and all the lessons you've learned in like fractional CMO and like what the hell does that even mean because yeah. you helped me we've talked about this like voice notes back and forth yeah but I'm just like I think there's so much there like that could be a whole other podcast episode and like of course like there's so many like my brain was like going off and this is why it's funny that I always thought like I was going to be corporate and I never saw myself as an entrepreneur because like I get business ideas every single day and I have to like Kayla, slow down. Like you cannot do this. Like you I do too. But I mean, that's your, it sounds like you're like a manifesting generator. So that's, that's I am. Part a man- course. I am, I am a yeah. manifesting generator. And it's funny, my profile says the serial life experimenter. And when oh. I discovered that, I was like, okay, so I'm literally meant to be a serial entrepreneur. No wonder law school was so hard for me. Yeah. Like, this makes I so mean, much more sense now. And it like my whole life clicked when I discovered my human design. And it's so funny because my mom was always like, you didn't come with a little book. I didn't know how to raise you properly. <laughs> I was just figured I'm like, actually, mom, I did come with a little book. Here I love know. that. That's amazing. I love that. Do you know what your human design is? Like your mm-hmm. profile? Manifesting generator. I don't know. What did you say yours was? Serial? Serial life experimenter. So I'm three, five. Oh, okay. I am a, Ooh, let me actually pull this up. I just had it done. Actually, I had it done by a potential company because <laughs> they were like, we have to know what you are before we even talk to you. Okay. I'm, I'm the same way. I do that. Too. I'm like, I want to know your zodiac sign. Give me your big three. Give yeah. me your design. I need to know your energy before we talk. 
It's okay. So let's see. I am, I'm going to read you this. Tell me. And again, I'm so new to this, but tell me if this resonates. So manifesting generator, emotional authority, split definition and one, three investigating. Okay. Let me pull up mine. <laughs> um, just so we can compare. No, I love this. I, I knew you were a manifesting generator too, but I didn't like, it's so funny. I, I mean, it's fun. funny too, because I made my boyfriend do it. And again, I'm still so new to this, but I just, um, he's a manifesting generator too. And I was like, okay, cool. Like we're both in the same, same boat. Yeah. I made my parents and my brother do it. My brother was like, I'm tired of your shit. Can we stop? <laughs> I'm like, nope, I need to know. Oh, dang. My account. It like, I have to log back in and I don't know what my password That's is. That's okay. What's your, no. what account do you, what app do you use? My human design. Oh, easy. I should probably do that. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm an emotional authority. Okay. Actually, no, I'm a sacral authority. I'm a gut. Oh, so you're gut. okay. That's interesting. So you're like so, my boyfriend. So I'm, I'm a gut authority and I'm non-emotional yeah. and like, and I, and also this, this one was the kicker for me. I, I don't know if you know this part for yourself, but it was like, when things are going really well, or when you are meant to be doing something, you will get a feeling of satisfaction. And when you are not doing what you were meant to be doing, you will feel frustrated. And my entire life, I've always been very emotional and very, like, I get very angry easily. But mm-hmm. it's, but it's not anger, I'm frustrated. And I get mad at myself for being frustrated. And it was always because I was trying to do things on another person's like path. And I wasn't listening to my gut I was listening to myself mm-hmm. so when I discovered this mm-hmm. I was like okay so like I'm just gonna stop like I, I mean it's easier said than done but like I'm just gonna lean more into my gut feeling and stop trying to logic my way out of it because I'm not meant to and I've been making myself more frustrated and in the last two months I've really I felt much more at peace and calm because of that because I'm just like my gut knows and I feel, I just feel a lot more satisfied. I felt a lot less frustrated and a lot less angry. And it's funny because like everyone used to think I'm emotional. I'm like, I'm actually not an emotional person. Literally it says not emotional, but the reason why I get so emotional is because of frustration. Right. It all like was a light bulb moment for me. So I wonder, do you know what yours is? Yeah. So I'm emotional authority. Basically mine is that I don't make, it's really funny. So I don't make um, decisions off my gut. I make decisions off the way that a situation feels to me. So it's very, everything is energetically decided. And it's actually funny because I remember I was talking with, um, I work really closely with an intuitive and I love her. And she was like, you need to start slowing down your decision-making process. And I was like, why? And she's like, cause you're trying to operate off what you think is the right thing to do instead of operating off what feels best for you. And you're making all these decisions, but they're not in alignment. And so you're feeling frustrated. You're feeling burned out. And instead, if you don't have an answer to something and you're not like, it's not like a hell yes, or it's not like an absolute yes, which will take time to basically for you to emotionally feel out. She's like, you shouldn't be making decisions, which is very hard being an entrepreneur. But it's also something too, where I've noticed where if something does feel in alignment, it's an one, it's a very quick yes. If something comes through to me, an opportunity, and I haven't made up my mind, or it's like I'm there's some sort of like dissonance to it, or like just kind of like, like, uh, like I'm avoidance, it's usually either A, I haven't figured it out if I want to move forward, or B, it's a no. And so there's a lot of, it's a lot of basically understanding like where my authority lies and how to make correct decisions. And a lot of it comes down to just time, which is very interesting. Yeah. I resonate a lot with that for me. It's for you, it takes time and it's an emotional feeling for me. It's a gut feeling. So it's an immediate yes. And I feel out whether it's a not yet or a no. So like that, that I get that as well. Um, And it sucks because my fatal flaw is impatience. And like, that's truly like, that is my fatal flaw is that I jump the gun because I want things now. And I'm so impatient and like, I get a feeling. And when it's a yes, I just like, I want to jump and do it. And it, I can't always do that. Sometimes it, it's a yes, but like there needs to be a system and a process and I need to take my time with it. And again, yeah. growing up for, for so long, I was rushing things or trying to rationalize things. And I would frustrate myself because it didn't work out exactly the way that I wanted to, or that I knew that it could. 
but it was yeah. because I was rushing it. And it's not that I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I just needed to take more time with it. So it's so funny knowing this about ourselves. Mm-hmm. It allows us to really work smarter, not harder. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amazing. No, I think that's really cool that we got on this tangent, but I was going to ask in, in kind of the same vein, you talked about your mental health and how that has been a struggle for you and how that has really shaped a lot of your business life and what you do. And we were talking earlier about like keeping things private. How do you balance nurturing that, that side of you that needs to take time to rest and really re reinvigorate and re-energize and go to therapy and do the healing practices that you need to feel your best self with running multiple businesses or being involved, being involved in multiple businesses and like time management. How do you, what, what does a week in Whitney's life look like basically? Yeah. I mean, mental health was something that I had never really like, Ooh, how do I, how do I say this? It was never a huge like priority in my life. Like it was not something where I felt like I needed to evaluate. I had always kind of dealt with on and off like waves of depression. And for me, I think I was really naive to even the understanding of what mental health was and how it impacted my life. And I was very much so the person before I started working, you know, before I started going to therapy, before I started doing all the work and the mindset work and coaching and all that stuff, I was very under the impression that life was just hard and that there were a lot of emotions and like you basically just suppressed as much as you could. So I started to have really, really bad panic attacks and breakdowns. And a lot of it came to a head in 2020. And that was, you know, because of obviously the landscape that was 2020, but also too, my business was not doing well. Um, there were a lot of things lost during that time, a lot of things that had come up into fruition. And so it really kind of just took it out of me. And when I received the diagnosis and I started, you know, speaking with my family on it, started talking with my family on it, started realizing that a lot of it was actually genetically based throughout our entire family. And a lot of our family has struggled with, I'm going to trigger warning everybody, but a lot of our family had suffered with suicide and, you know, long, long history of mental health and not being properly diagnosed and not receiving the proper care. And I think a lot of my family was under the impression that mental health was very taboo. It was very something that you didn't talk about or wasn't openly discussed. And so therefore I felt like it was really shameful and embarrassing and something that I needed to really work through. And so I kind of set my mission out to better understanding it. And one of my best friends, her name's Scout, she's bipolar and she has probably one of the most wild mental health histories I've ever heard of. And she's yet one of the most successful, important, beautiful people in my life that I've ever met. I love Scout. She was, she was on the podcast and we talk all about it. So I'll link that episode below for people yes. who, don't know who Scout is. She is incredible. And she's taught me so much, but me too. in terms of mental health in, you know, flowing into business, I think that it's something that not only deserves to be observed, but it's also something where you can utilize this as your superpower. And I think, again, that's something that's very highly controversial a lot of times I think now brands are catching on to the mental health conversation and they're really wanting to like kind of sexualize it into being this really cool thing that the brand offers. But there's still a lot of things that impact our mental health in and of business that are just objective, like just objectified. And there's still a lot of conversations, especially with dealing with multiple brands and dealing with multiple personalities where mental health goes out the door. And it's really not a topic of conversation. It's not really something to be discussed. So when I deal with my own mental health in and out of business, and again, this was really the kind of foundation and the principles of which Get Super was built off of. But even looking at where I'm at in my business now, it's something where I have to closely monitor it. And I monitor it through my daily routines. And I look at it through the way that I'm showing up. And my mental health can affect everything. It can affect the way that I talk to my team. It can affect the way that I talk to a client. It can affect a sale. It can affect, you know, a podcast episode. And it's really one of those things where I have to be super open and transparent with where I'm at. But also too, I have to 
take care of myself before I take care of anything else. And that flows in and out of my business so dramatically because I am the business and I am the one showing up and answering these things. And, you know, I don't always need to explain myself, but I do have to share very openly and transparently with where I'm at to my team, to my clients and what's going on. And that's also a really vulnerable feeling. You know, it's very vulnerable to be talking and discussing that. And it also opens up a lot of, you know, I wish I could say that no one questions you when you feel like you're having anxiety, but ultimately at the end of the day, people have to look out for their businesses and they need to know that they can trust you. And so there's also that conversation of, well, how trustworthy is someone that feels unstable within their own mental capacity? And it's, it's been very interesting. It's been a very interesting landscape to navigate, but I think ultimately at the end of the, at the end of the day, I'm responsible for me and I can control what comes into my realm. And I'm very protective of that. And I'm very, very just controlled with what I can do and how I can show up. And ultimately knowing that I don't have to hold shame around it. I can move through it in my own way. And those that are going to show up for me and those that are going to trust me are going to trust me and show up for me. And those that don't are not in alignment for what I'm doing. Like literally all of this couldn't have said it better myself. I'm the exact same way. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's been difficult to navigate that, that, that fear of like, oh, people won't trust me because I'm so open about my mental health and my vulnerabilities, but also I wouldn't be where I'm at today and I wouldn't have the businesses that I have and everything. It just, without that, like you can't have me without that. That yeah. is what makes me me and allows me to show up the way that I do. And everything that I do has come out of what is most in line for me and making sure that I'm okay and yeah. being open about that and only allowing people in my life that are okay with that. Yeah. So I love yeah. Yeah. And then also on like the, you know, balancing the time and stuff, it's just like listening to your body and being like, okay, like this feels right today. And mm-hmm. this doesn't feel right. I will find someone who can do this or push it off until tomorrow. And I think just being, because we are so vulnerable and in touch with ourselves, it allows us to do everything that we do because it's, we do it when it's right to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's a super important point. And I, I think a great place to end, although we could keep talking forever but thank you so much Whitney for coming on the podcast where can everyone find you shout yourself out all your brands your podcast everything I will link in the show notes well thank you so much Kayla for having me on it was an absolute pleasure you guys can follow me and my personal journey just at Whitney Eckes guys can follow the agency at Eckes Marketing and Eckes is spelled E-C-K-I-S and then guys can check out get super at just g-e-t-s-u-p-r and there's all the fun things but thank you so much for having me on this was an absolute pleasure thank you so much for coming on and i will talk to you guys next week <music>